you know, if you tell the right story, you know, it really can be life changing. And and the goal of making this movie, The Jesus Revolution, was to say, you know, if this happened before at a similar time, maybe it can happen again. The Profile with Premier Christianity Magazine. Hello and welcome back to The Profile here on Premier Christian Radio. I'm Emma Fowl. The Profile is the show where we sit down with a well-known Christian to hear more about their life, their faith and their ministry. It is brought to you in association with Premier Christianity, the UK's leading Christian magazine. The monthly title features more interviews just like this one, as well as all of the latest news, reviews, columnists and much more. Plus, there's great new digital content uploaded daily to our website, premierchristianity.com. To get full access wherever you are in the world, there are print and digital subscription options available. Get the magazine delivered directly to your door or access all of the latest content via your computer, smartphone or on the Premier Christianity app. Head over to premierchristianity.com forward slash subscribe for more information. In the second part of today's show, I'm speaking to John Irwin, one half of the Irwin Brothers, the filmmakers behind some of the biggest and most popular Christian movies, including I Can Only Imagine, Woodlawn, October Baby and I Still Believe. In this episode of The Profile, we talk about growing up in the Deep South and the effect that this had on John's filmmaking, why he loves to tell true stories and how the world of Christian movies is slowly changing, hopefully for the better. We also talk about their latest project, Jesus Revolution, which stars Kelsey Grammer and Joel Courtney and tells the story of the Jesus People Movement, a charismatic countercultural outpouring that swept America's hippie population, earning it a Time magazine front cover in 1971 and the accolade of being dubbed America's last great revival. The film, which has taken over $50 million at the US box office, making it Lionsgate's highest grossing film since 2019, opens here in the UK this weekend. And Irwin is hoping that audiences this side of the pond love it just as much as their transatlantic neighbours. Let's listen in now. Let's talk about the Jesus Revolution movie. It's absolutely defied all box office expectations in the US. It's grossed over $40 million. It's been a huge success. It's now coming to the UK. We're so excited about it. And as a result of that, we've started to see some things here in the UK press, especially that we probably haven't seen before. People are starting to talk about this sort of underground, almost Christian movie industry. And, you know, people saying things like, these are the, like some of the biggest films you've probably never heard about and things like that. And I've heard you speak before about their being this kind of Christian renaissance in Hollywood. Would you talk to us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, that's a wonderful way to say renaissance, by the way. That, 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 I, I love the, I love that wish. I wish I had the accent. It's uh, it's there is there's a, there's a there is a there is a um, God's just doing a, a work in in Hollywood uh, at all levels, both in the industry, outside of the industry, um, and uh, and you know I think people are just craving hope, uh, you know, m- more than probably any other time in my lifetime, uh, you know. And what do they say when you're when your pain outweighs your fear change can begin and i think probably as a result of 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 just the last three years that we've all lived people are asking the big questions of you know what's the meaning of life and and uh you know where where are 
where where does happiness truly uh where is it found and and um and you know what, what's my part in 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 the story and and so i think that there's a, a real spiritual hunger and curiosity today uh that's unique and and so i think people are craving stories that that give them a rush of hope and um you know and we believe that that that's what these these stories do and and um and so i think that you know it's cool to see you know i've been doing this for since 2010 and many other people have been doing it longer than i have you know since mo gibson's movie the passion has sort of started the modern resurgence in faith film and the more the audience supports the films both um in the us and and abroad the wider they go you know entertainment is america's second largest export so what we found is when christians unify their voice um together and champion a product it triggers this amazing thing uh called fomo which is the fear of missing out and people just millions of people end up seeing the movie that would not otherwise see it and then it goes around the world when it does well in the united states so it's one of those things that it's just the power of our unified voice uh, you know i'm constantly reminded of that and uh and and grateful for the support for the movies and the more our audience supports them the more you know we're able to spend on them and hopefully the better we can make them you know and um we love primarily to entertain audiences you know that's the it's a privilege to do that and 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 you know hear the audience laugh and cry and in this case i've never seen an audience cheer along with a movie before while it's playing uh and uh and yet you know if you tell the right story it's why we love true stories you know it really can be life-changing and and the goal of making this movie uh jesus revolution was to say you know if this happened before at a similar time maybe it can happen again and we never would have been able to make it without the support of the audience because just getting to a point where a movie studio like Lionsgate would let us make a movie called Jesus Revolution is really truly a miracle and uh and it's a miracle that that we we wouldn't have been able to do without the audience's support yeah and it's really interesting what you say about the, you know that that idea of oh if we we examine these things that have happened in history perhaps we can see that revival in the church again I, i'm assuming that when you pitch this movie when you start production of this movie things like the recent Asprey outpouring were were nowhere on the horizon. Yeah. And, you know, isn't it fascinating to, that the film was actually released around the, the same time as that happened with so many people saying that the the roots of that revival were actually, you know, some of the things that played into the start of the Jesus Revelation in the States. Yeah, when you think about the Asbury revival, um, it was in that very room um, in Hughes Auditorium in 1970 that as the Jesus movement spread across the United States that there was a nonstop prayer service um, in that very room. And so on day three of that revival, my wife and I were in uh, Kentucky anyway, wrapping another movie. And we, I was like, this is 60 miles away. Let's go check it out. And and we, we just sat in that auditorium. And I remember Greg Laurie, um, who's a wonderful pastor and portrayed in the movie, uh, called me and said, you're the first person I knew that, that's been there. What did it feel like? And I said, it, it felt like just like scenes from the film. And the miracle of that was that this is the longest I've ever worked on a movie. Um, I originally bought this Time Magazine cover story uh, from 1971 on eBay in 2015 uh, while working on another movie. Uh, And I was so awestruck by it. It was such a buoyant, optimistic, hopeful article about this sweeping spiritual awakening that um, was reviving a lot of people's optimism and hope and belief and and it was happening in places that 
that were surprising everybody because it was happening amongst the hippies, which at the time weren't really allowed to go to church. You know, like the path for a hippie to go to church at the time was like, go home, run away, get a job, take a bath, cut your hair, rejoin society. Then maybe you can come to church. And uh, Chuck Smith, the founder of the Calvary Chap uh, movement, uh, portrayed by Kelsey Grammer in the film, just threw his doors open to this group of people that he didn't understand. Um, really off of a dare from his kids. And it, and that was the uh, spark that lit the flame that became the Jesus Revolution uh, in America. So to work on the film for that long, eight is seven, eight years, you know, and to almost get it made several times in between every other film that we've made, like, like I Can Only Imagine or American Underdog, I've been trying to get this movie made. Um, we almost had it made when COVID shut down the whole world and we were about ready to film it. And so the moral of the story to me is that God's timing is just perfect. I've done many interviews where I've said this, this February in America was like this month of Jesus and entertainment between my good friend, um, Dallas Jenkins show, the chosen and Super Bowl commercials and, and then Jesus revolution and that revival at Asbury and other colleges broke out right in the middle of it before our film even opened. So it just went to show me and there was no strategy behind that. There was no conversations. There was no marketing call that said, can we start a revival at a college? Um, it was just something that God did. And it just reminded me that if, if you have something burning in your soul that, that you want to do, that you feel like God's calling you to do, sometimes it takes way longer than you think. And, you know, success can be long obedience in the same direction, but just keep going because whatever God's plan for the thing is, is, is much better than yours. And, his timing is perfect, even if it's not your timing. And so just wait and just stay in it and just don't give up uh, because it's so cool to look back and say every other time the movie could have gotten made wouldn't have been near the result and the movie wouldn't have been as good and, and uh, or it would have been different. And, and so I just think that, that it's, it's a, you know, the, the lesson to the story is that God's timing is perfect and it's, and it's worth waiting for. You're listening to The Profile Podcast from Premier Christianity Magazine. If you're enjoying this interview, please can you give us a rating and a review wherever you're listening to this podcast from right now. It helps other people to discover the show. Thank you so much. Let's talk about, you know, making a film with such well-known names like Kelsey Grammer and um, Joel Courtney, who I've got to admit, I had not heard of, but my teenage daughters were incredibly excited. <laughs> Mine was as well. She's more about his resume than I did, I must admit. Um, you know, sometimes it Hollywood, I think, from a lot of people, maybe more in the UK, we we hear the stories about Chris Pat coming under flack for his Christian faith. And, you know, we assume it's this really dark place, it's really hard to be a Christian. And yet the flip side of it is there are so many Christians that are there and they are active and you know, people like yourself are you know, doing something new in there. What What is it like to be a Christian in that environment? Is it challenging? Well, I would say the entertainment industry as a whole is very difficult. Um, it's a, it's a very, it's a highly competitive industry. Um, and, uh, you know, it's sort of a performance sport and, and, um, you know, far more product fails than succeeds. And so, uh, it, it, it's just a, it's, it's highly competitive. And, and also, you know, there's just not, I go back and forth. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama, you know, and the, which is sort of like the buckle of the Bible belt in America. And, and, uh, and yet 
I, I commute to LA to do a lot of the work. And, and so I spend a lot of time in both locations and there's just not a lot of, um, representation for Christianity within the entertainment industry. And, and, uh, I think it has been very difficult, uh, to, to, to be a Christian in the industry. But what I think, you know, as the, as disruption has hit entertainment, you know, they're, they're really desperate for any audience that they can count on. So I think a lot of the sort of the, you know, the, the opinion of Christianity that the better these films do, um, the, the more it goes away and the more actors understand that it's safe for them to, 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 to be passionate about their faith. Um, the more people speak up about it. And, um, I remember, I remember when Dennis Quaid did our movie, I can only imagine. And, and, uh, you know, it, it was good for his career and he got, he became a spokesperson for the insurance company, insurance. And, you know, um, he's like, man, put me in more of these films, you know? And, and so I think, the better and better we make the films, the better they do, the more you're going to see um, people, um, you know, come out about their faith uh, and, and, be, and, be, and be bold about it. Because there are, a, you know, at every level of the business, whether it's actors or executives, there are people that, that, um, that are passionate about their, about their faith and are passionate about Christianity. And they've just been silent for a long time. And so... The more we can make these films work, the more people are able to talk about um, what they believe. And it was so cool to see this movie really revive Kelsey Grammer's faith. I mean, I, as it did all of us. Um, and then him really be so authentic in communicating that um, uh, in the interviews he did on behalf of the movie. And and uh, and I think that that's going to happen more and more. So there is definitely an uprising on behalf of Christianity um, in Hollywood right now. And uh, and it's great to be. Uh, some small part of it, you know, and then watch it happen. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty great. And do you only work with Christian actors in Christian films or do you have a, a range of beliefs and views on the sense? Oh, we have a, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the entertainment industry. So there are all kinds of people that, that, that are great at doing the work. And our only rule is, is you got to buy into what we're doing and why we're doing it. And so it was so interesting to see people that are Christians working on the film. Um, uh, you know, like Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus in The Chosen, plays Lonnie Frisbee in this movie. I've never met someone more passionate about their faith and also more passionate about their craft. Um, and and he's a wonderful guy. But a lot of other people, you know, weren't didn't have any sort of re religious affiliation at all and loved the story because it was a story of love and unity, which is something that they believe in. And it was a story about loving, loving the other, you know, and loving people that are different than you are. And, and they loved it for that reason. So as long as people are excited about what we're doing, willing to dedicate themselves to what we're doing, uh, we love the audience. We want to serve the audience. Like I tell people, if you're going to make a comic book movie, you're going to go to comic con and you're going to hug all the nerds, you know, because those are the, you know, so if you're going to make this movie, you're going to love the audience and you're going to, uh, give them a hug. But it's so interesting to see that, you know, one of the things that I believe is that the core themes of Christianity um, are are written on our souls. They're needed. They're 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 um, universally appealing, and so especially today. So things like love and unity and forgiveness and hope and redemption and rebirth and renewal and you know these are all things that we just need. And it's interesting to see how people that aren't Christians at all that worked on the film 
both in front of and behind the camera, deeply resonated with the themes of the movie. And I love that. And I love working with all kinds of people to, to make something that we can all be proud of. And, and, uh, and, and I'm very, very grateful for, for, you know, it takes hundreds of people to make a movie and, and, uh, I'm grateful for everyone, uh, every single member of the team. And, uh, and no matter what their background or perspective on life is, this is one of those where everyone really bought in fully to what we were making and, and love the journey, uh, uh, you know, no matter their background. And you've mentioned that you've you've made some very well known Christian films that the most people listening to this may well have heard of, like um, I can only imagine, um, and Woodlawn, um, which was the story of a black Christian American footballer being the only black guy on a, on a white team. And you've talked about growing up in Birmingham, Alabama. Was did your upbringing play into your decision to make a story like that? Growing up in you know an area which was really the heart of the civil rights movement. In- yeah, you know, I remember when I first began to research the civil rights movement and understand how how much of it took place um, in Birmingham, and frankly, being a bit horrified and yet also proud of those that like the Children's March and that 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 stood up and, and, uh, Rosa Parks, it stood up, made a difference, you know, and, and that definitely shaped me and the stories that, that we tell. And it was actually in telling, uh, the story of Woodlawn, which happened in Birmingham, Alabama, which was a high school that was being ripped apart by, by hatred. And it was a spiritual awakening that really mended the school and led to the first black superstar, Tony Nathan, that was heavily recruited by Bear, by Bear Bryant at University of Alabama that, that John Voight portrays in the film. It was, that happened in 1973. And I was so blown away by that story that uh, I was like, could this have really happened? And that's when I first discovered this Jesus Revolution Time Magazine article was in researching that film. And I, I went on eBay and I found this Jesus Revolution Time cover and I bought it. And and I found that those things were happening all over America, that it wasn't just in Birmingham, Alabama, but there was this sweeping movement um, that was a spiritual awakening that was really um, a solution for a lot of the of the racial unrest and tension and just a lot of the division. It was just a very, very divisive time. And and I began to realize that, you know, we, we, we're, we live in a very similar time now. And so if this was an answer then, maybe it could be uh, an answer now, but certainly both positively and negatively, I think being raised in the deep South, uh, being brought up, uh, you know, where so much of the change in the civil rights movement uh, took place. And then also just um, being in church every time the door was open and that always being a huge part of my life was, is shaping and it's shaping in in the work and, and in the stories that we tell. So how do you pick the stories that you tell, you, you've talked um, earlier about, you know, wanting to portray these stories that bring hope and that bring joy. And mm-hmm. Jesus Revolution has been described um, as a comedy as well as a sort of a deeply spiritual film. But sometimes Christian films do come in for a little bit of criticism for being a little bit twee or a little bit, you know, neat yeah. around the edges. How, how do you deal with that uh, when you pick your stories, when you're making your films to make sure that you're really getting to grips with the realities and the nuances of life as well as bringing the hope and the joy. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times, what did Ryan Reynolds say, you know, to do something well, you first have to have the courage to do it badly, you know? And so certainly over the last two decades, there has been some warranted criticism on Christian films, either being cheap and cheesy feeling or inauthentic to the human condition and and human experience. Um, 
But I think as the years have gone by, we've been able to um, really try to 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 master our craft or 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 attempt to to improve. And and uh, as these films do better and better, um, we're able to get more and more resources to make them and to really compete. Because a lot of times, what's wrong is that they're just very very inexpensive. And so and so I think for us, you know, they say a filmmaker finds their story and tells it over and over again. Uh, when Andy and I made the film Woodlawn that you mentioned, uh, that was the first, that's when we found our story, as it were, and we just learned the power um, of a true story. And there's something incredibly powerful. And I love true stories. I love movies like Argo or Blindside or, or you know, Chariots of Fire, you know, that are based off true stories. And we just fell in love with telling those stories. And I think that there's an added power to true stories. And you instantly personalize them. You're like, you know, if that happened, to him, if Kurt Warner can never give up on his dream um, in the movie American Underdog, maybe I can accomplish mine too. Or, you know, if 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 a city can heal like in Woodlawn, maybe God can bring healing to to, to my family or city. You know, and so you instantly think about yourself. I think when you when you watch a true story, and so we want to we want to tell true stories that that bring hope to people. I remember when we were making the film, I can only imagine, and we asked Bart Millard, who wrote that song. You know what's the experience when people hear the song i can only imagine and he said you know it's a rush of hope and um and those are the stories that we look for and the story has to do that for us first uh in a way that we can't stop thinking about it and if there's a story that i'm awestruck by that i can't stop thinking about um that's a good indicator that i that i should bring that story to the audience and and we want to make things that are entertaining and fun and funny i like to laugh and cry when i go see a movie and um I like to leave a movie theater feeling uplifted and inspired. And so we want to first entertain and do everything within our power to make a really entertaining film for the audience. We like to make films that are intentionally multi-generational, like you mentioned Joel Courtney, who's in the Kissing Booth movies on Netflix. I loved him in J.J. Abrams' Super 8. That was his first movie. He was 14 years old. But my daughter flipped out when she learned that Joel was going to be in the movie. I was excited about Kelsey Grammer because, you know, Frasier is an iconic TV character kind of made me feel old. But anyway, uh, you know, we, we really want to make films that you can watch as a family um, with two or three generations present. And, uh, and and that's that's really how we, how we try to make the films. But we just, we like to tell true stories. And then I think one of the real themes in this film is just the idea that um, that none of us are perfect and God uses flawed ordinary people to do extraordinary things together and i think so many of us sit back on the sidelines and think well god can't use me because i'm unqualified or i'm disqualified or there's something i struggle with there's something i've done or, or or i'm just not talented enough and that's just not true it's not true in the bible it's not true in in this story god uses um all kinds of people god can use your failures and and god uses the ordinary things of the world to confound the wise and so, so one of the things i really wanted to do with this movie is is really you know not sugarcoat it and and really you know dive into the complexities and flaws of the characters to just show that god can use all of us um first of all it's great drama in a movie uh but secondly uh you know and, and it's also accurate but it's also liberating, at least for me, to think, okay, if God can use them, you know, they're ordinary people, God can use me too. And and that's true for, for all of us. Right. I guess I can't let you go with asking you two quick fire film questions. So the first one is, what's your favorite film of all time? 
You know, that is uh that's such a hard question for a filmmaker <laughs> because because like asking a chef what their favorite meal is, but I'll say this, the soul food for me in movies is is um yeah, to me is Braveheart. I think uh Randall uh Wallace wrote such a beautiful script. I mean, I think every man dies, not every man really lives. Probably one of the greatest lines ever written and and uh and Mel crushed that movie. It's such a well-done movie and and it's sort of food for my soul. I mean, I just, the, the theme of living from your passion and purpose um, is so clear in that movie. I, I would say that that I have many, many movies that I absolutely love, but if I had to just be stranded on a desert island with just one, it would probably be Braveheart. That is also my husband's favorite film. He saw it three times in the opening weekend. It's so good. It's such a good movie and uh, <laughs> it's so well done. Okay, and last question. What was the last film that made you cry? The last film that made me cry, you know, it was probably, um, I finally uh, watched, you know, Brendan Fraser's performance in The Whale, which was absolutely um, deserving uh, of, the, of, uh, of, of all the accolades. And um, I just, I mean, it was such a, it was such a tragic movie to watch, but I, I thought the performance was just, um, just outstanding. And, uh, and so that definitely, uh, made me cry for sure. And then in television, the last episode of of uh, of Dallas's show, The Chosen, which Jonathan Rumi, who's in our film, is you know stars as Jesus in the finale episode of season three, was also deeply emotional. Well done and epic because it had the walking on the water. Uh, but uh, but that brought a tear to my eye as well. Mine is not so highbrow. We went to see Guardians of the Galaxy three on Monday. Now, okay, here's something like maybe I I watched Guardians with my whole family. <laughs> Which reminded me, you know, it's it's not a cheap endeavor to take. We have four kids, and we went, we took them all, and uh, and I was filled with guilt because um, I, at a previous house, uh, when we lived in Alabama, we had this like raccoon problem, and we would like trap these raccoons. I could never kill them, but we would like send them away, and so I was filled with like abs. I was I was I felt so guilty. So yeah, I I my wife was sobbing, my daughter was crying. Yeah. And I just felt very guilty for all the raccoons that I had trapped and deported at my at my old house. Yeah, uh, but it was a great movie. It was. It I was, was not. It was I was not really prepared good. for the trauma. It's good. <laughs> there you go. Very good. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks so much, John. It's been absolutely amazing talking to you. It's really, really lovely. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was John Irwin speaking to me, Emma Fowl, here on Premier Christian Radio. We hope you enjoyed this interview. For hundreds more conversations just like this one, you can download The Profile as a podcast. Just search for The Profile wherever you normally get your podcasts from or visit premierchristianradio.com forward slash The Profile. You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity magazine.